Now, the epistle for the Feast of the Holy Rosary is taken from the Old Testament book of Proverbs, chapter 8. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his ways. Before he made anything from the beginning, I was set up from, and from eternity and of old before the earth was made. The depths were not as yet, and I was already conceived. Now, therefore, ye children, hear me. Blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction, and be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, and watcheth daily at my gates, and waiteth at the posts of my doors. He that shall find me shall find life, and shall have salvation from the Lord. And the Holy Gospel. It is taken from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 1. At that time the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel being come in said unto her, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Who having heard was troubled at this saying, and thought with herself, What manner of salutation this should be? And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found grace with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and thou shalt bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God shall give him the throne of David his father, and he shall reign in the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How shall this be done, because I know not man? The angel answering said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee. And therefore also the Holy which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also hath conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her that was called barren, because no word shall be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. Thus far the words of today's Holy Gospel. Grant that we may imitate what they contain and obtain what they promise. These are words taken from the oration for today's Mass in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It seems, my dear friends, that when disaster strikes on the water, things go from bad to worse very quickly. Whether you look into the facts surrounding the sinking of the Edmunds Fitzgerald or the Titanic or the SS Eastland, which was the greatest loss of life on American waters, it always seems that there's a whole group of circumstances that lead to the disaster and to, unfortunately, the loss of life. Well, the same was true of the fatal fire that took place on the SS Morro Castle in 1934. This fire and the running aground of the ship took the lives of 135 people on the night, or the early morning, rather, of September 8th. But trouble had started before the fire started. Two nights before, the captain suddenly died of a heart attack, and so the ship was left to his first mate. But as soon as the captain had passed away, a terrible and fierce wind picked up on the ocean, And so it would have been something that taxed even the captain's skill. It was very much more than the first mate was ready or prepared to deal with. Well, while the winds picked up, 
the bad news continued to come into where the first mate was steering the ship because now there was an electrical fire on board that the men were not able to put out. This threw the crew into a total panic. And even though they had enough lifeboats on board to save about 400 people, they only managed to get 85 people onto the lifeboats. This was so because as soon as the disaster was started to be made known to everyone, arguments and quarrels of every type started to break out. Some men insisted that they must go with their families on the lifeboats, while others were equally insistent that only the women and children should go first and the men should wait their turn. While this arguing and quarreling was going on, of course the fire was spreading, and what had knocked out all the electricity on the boat now severed the hydraulic lines. That means that the boat was completely adrift at sea in a terrible storm as fire raged across her decks and began to fill the whole vessel. Well, in this chaos and pandemonium, one young lady, Marion Genevieve Slack, retained her calmness and her peace of mind. She was traveling with two young companions, and she got them out of their stateroom into the edge of the deck. Now, this was not as easy as we might imagine because it was either pitch black of 3 a.m., or momentarily you'd get a flash of light when the fire surged. And so the eyes could not become accustomed to making their way across deck because there was either blinding light or total darkness. But Marion finally did make her way, and she was starting to become terrified herself when she looked over the decks and saw the raging waters and the storm below her, but the equally raging fire making its way towards where she stood. It was at that moment that she remembered her rosary, She pulled it out of her pocket and knelt down on the deck to say her prayers before making the decision to either stay with the ship or try her best at saving herself by going into the water. Although the situation was tense, she realized that there were many others on the deck when she could see them through a flash of light that began following her example. They followed her lead, and they too knelt on the decks to begin their rosary before plunging into the water below. If that tense scramble at the lifeboats and the confused anger of the crew had been allowed to continue, who knows how many people would have lost their lives that night. It's most likely that far more than the 135 out of the 549 that were on the ship would have perished as well. But once they began to take Marion Slack's good example, many of the people regained their peace of mind and the equal thought process that they needed to be able to make the right decision. And in this moment of trial and turning to Our Lady, she is an example to us just like she was an example to her fellow passengers. It's very impressive to think of a person and imagine for ourselves would I do the same in the same situation? If I was woken up at 3 a.m. from what I thought had been a pleasure cruise to find myself faced with the decision of life and death, to find myself faced with either burning to death by fire or drowning in the ocean, would I have the peace of mind 
to be calm and turn to Our Lady? Is my daily rosary such a habit of mine that even at that hour and in those circumstances, I would have it on my person and be able to calmly begin my rosary for the day? You know, when we say the rosary, we often say the words, may we imitate what they contain and obtain what they promise. But today, as we look forward to celebrating the feast and in fact the entire month of the Holy Rosary, we have to ask ourselves, are those just prayers that we say or is it something that I really mean? Do I really want in my life to imitate what the mysteries of the Rosary contain? so that I may obtain what they promise. Now we can do this in two different ways. St. Louis de Montfort tells us that the rosary first is a furnace, a fiery furnace which can consume us with heavenly flames. He also says that it is a set of 15 mirrors whereby we can look at the mysteries of the life of our Lord and His Blessed Mother and see for ourselves how do we reflect what we see in their lives. So that's the first way that we can see, am I imitating what they contain? Take the mysteries as you pray them and see, am I imitating the same virtues that Our Lady and Our Lord showed us at that time? While I pray the joyful mysteries, am I overcome with joy considering what it meant to have the Messiah actually come into the world? to hear thousands of years' worth of prayers answered for the holy people, to have him present in the temple where for so long the best that they could do was have the blood of goats and oxen. What a joyful time this must have been for Our Lady to see God answering the prayers of the chosen people in the person of her divine Son. Do we think about what it was like to have our Lord sitting amongst the elders, amazing them with his wisdom and his answers, and how filled with joy we are when in our lives we see an answer to prayer? Then as we pray the sorrowful mysteries, do we really imitate Our Lady, St. John, and the others that we see in these mysteries? Do the sorrowful mysteries fill us with a sorrow for our sin and a hatred for sin, which has caused our blessed Savior to be mocked, scourged, crucified, and punished on our behalf? When we imitate the virtues that we see in the mysteries, it will lead us also, while we see the glorious mysteries, to imitate the confidence, the courage, and the trust that we have in our risen King, that we see our Blessed Mother placing in Him throughout her whole life. No matter what setbacks, failures, or trials you might be enduring in this life, praying the glorious mysteries reminds you that you have a triumphant King and His Mother the Queen reigning in heaven. Despite all that they suffered here on earth, They are now eternally happy forever in heaven. And if we imitate them, then we can look for that same happiness one day as well. This is what we mean by saying, grant that we may imitate what they contain. Now another way to do this is to take each one of the prayers specifically. We say the Our Father so often 
But do we actually stop and ask ourselves, am I really intent in my life on making sure that I obey the will of God? Am I truly interested in my life, in my family, in those over whom I have control, that the will of God is being done here on earth as it is in heaven? Am I content with my daily bread? Or do I let jealousies, envies, and the like make me wish for things I do not have? Or be upset at God for not having provided for me things that I want rather than things that I need? Do I truly strive to forgive those who trespass against me? Or is it just a word that I say in the Our Father? If a person has offended me in word or in action, in something big or small, do I really mean what I say when I say I forgive those who trespass against me? In the Hail Mary, there is a lot to consider as well. Do we have the confidence that Our Lady deserves to realize 53 times a day we call her full of grace? There is not one grace that you could ever need in your life that Our Lady does not have to the fullest degree. There is not one grace that God could grant to anyone on earth that His Blessed Mother does not already have and have to the fullest degree. Do we stop and consider what we're saying every time we say, Hail Mary, full of grace? Whatever we have going on in our lives, she can give us the graces we need to persevere through it. When we ask her to, when we say that we bless her and her son, are we, do we really strive throughout the day to bless them and honor them? Or are we found complaining when the slightest difficulty or cross comes our way? And finally, when we ask her to pray for us now and at the hour of our death, amen, are we asking Our Lady to do nearly the impossible? Are we living lives willingly and knowingly outside of the state of sanctifying grace? living lives that are offensive to her and her divine Son, or living lives where we are so close to the occasions of sin that they are pretty much a constant in our lives and we do nothing to fight against them. Well, if we are asking Our Lady day in and day out to pray for me now and at the hour of my death, yet doing nothing to avoid sin and its occasions, we're really making a mockery of that request. This is what I meant when I said it's good to stop today and throughout this month of October to realize what we say when we pray the rosary and see if we are really conforming our lives to the prayers that we say so often. This is what will make our rosary so beneficial to us. So many times in sermons and stories, catechism classes, the history classes, we hear so many great, wonderful, and miraculous stories of Our Lady's intercession. But Our Lady doesn't intercede just because somebody says 53 Hail Marys a day and six Our Fathers and a number of Glory Bees. Our Lady does not give her miraculous graces to men on earth just because they say a certain amount of words for 15 minutes a day. 
Our Lady blesses us when we say our rosary with attention and devotion. When we really mean and take to heart the words that we are saying. And when we end the rosary with that last final petition, that last final asking for her help, that we may imitate what they contain and obtain what they promise. Marian Slack led her life in a way that she really did imitate the virtues of the rosary. She had peace and calmness through her rosary when everyone else was scrambling in terror, arguing and fighting. Her dedication to her rosary brought her the great success of helping so many people retain their calm and get off that ship, the Moro Castle, that night of September 8, 1934. Let us then pray our rosary with devotion and see how much good can be produced in our lives. Let us say those words of the rosary with all of our attention fixed on Our Lady so that when we get to the end of it, we will mean from the bottom of our heart that we do want to imitate what they contain so that we can obtain what they promise through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. May Almighty God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.